know what that sound means. It's another exciting installment of the Van Brawl Seasons Podcast, where we talk local sports, both the Atlanta Pro franchises, like the Braves, Hawks, Falcons, and we also talk the University of Georgia Bulldogs. So strap in, guys. It's another exciting episode about to start right now. What up, podcast land? This is your host, Jam and Joe, of the Van for All Seasons podcast. On tonight's episode, we're going to talk to Atlanta Braves baseball. We're going to get into the huge win that Georgia got over Clemson last week and talk some Georgia Bulldog football. And, guys, it's game week. It's Thursday, and we're getting one step closer to Atlanta Falcons football, where the Dirty Birds will be kicking off on Sunday against the Philadelphia Eagles. So we'll be previewing the 2021 Atlanta Falcons as well. So a little football, a little baseball. So we'll have all your bases covered this week on the show. We'll get in depth uh, with our guest of the week via the Fan Ball Seasons fan line about our experience in Charlotte for the Georgia Clemson game. So we'll be talking about that as well. We had a blast, and that was a huge win that Georgia got on Saturday against Clemson. And it, it was just such a great experience. So we'll get more in depth with that here in a minute. But before we get into all that good sports conversation, it's time we get a word from our sponsor. And Fan for All Seasons is brought to you in part by Georgia Smoke Barbecue. Authentic original oak smoked barbecue catering you can learn more at georgiasmoke.com and we'll be connecting with our guests of the week via the fan for all seasons fan line here in one second and fan for all seasons fans we are back we're going to connect via the fan for all seasons fan line with our guest of the week and this guest has been on the show before he's done a variety of roles on the show he's co-hosted he's been the guest of the week before and most importantly he was with me every step of the way for georgia clemson he is the man the myth the legend my dad dad how's it going tonight it's going great it's always a great uh, week after a, a big georgia win and that was uh that was that was a big one it really was it really was but we'll get into georgia football here in a little bit we're gonna get things going hitting lead off with a Atlanta Braves baseball and the first topic I want to get you with dad is this the Braves are in the middle of a nine game homestand with Washington Miami and the Rockies and so what are your and so what have your thoughts been on the first few games with DC and what what is your outlook on the rest of the homestand going forward for the break well Joe it is uh, you know you're always looking at teams like this thinking you should sweep but uh they're you know they're professionals too and uh, (laughs) last night was a tough one to take but I'm sure the Braves are going to bounce back and uh, you know, and, and get after it. You know, so if you look at the nine games, I would expect them to go six and three, but um, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah, I would too. And I would argue that six and three at a minimum would be the best outlook for the Braves here. Now I know, I know, last night was kind of crazy in the dust up with Freddie Freeman and that and that pitcher for the Nationals who who threw it who threw it Freddie not only threw behind Freddie but also hit Freddie square in the back. I wasn't really too too happy about that. And I thought it was really good of Freddie to walk over there, put his arm around Juan Soto, and kind of talk about and and just and just kind of like have a private moment with him. And then Freddie Freeman did something that I've never seen before, where Freddie went over to the Nationals dugout and was talking with Davey Martinez. I've never seen that, where a star player on one team go, goes to the goes to the opposing team's dugout and talks to the opposing team's manager about why. And so I get Will Smith and Juan Soto have had beef, and but that's just but 
but that's just another story for another day. But but I was really proud of Freddie to to be the bigger man and to walk over to Davy Martinez and just be like, hey, you know, we need to put a stop to this. We're we're trying to go somewhere, and you're just trying to play out the string essentially. That was uh, they say those are the unwritten rules that have to be enforced. But I don't. That's not my idea of baseball at all. But but Joe, moving on to uh, our friend Ozzy Albies. He's been playing great, swinging a red hot bat and really flashing some leather out in the field. What what are your thoughts on Ozzy uh, going down the stretch? Well, if you look at Ozzy's last seven games, Dad's he's got four home runs, seven RBIs, and he's done all this on six hits. So it looks like Ozzy's really locked in. And before last night, he had gone into a streak. His second of four, I think it was his second of four straight games with a home run. Uh, Ozzy has really picked it up of late. And a lot of it is simply due to Acuna being hurt. And Ozzy's getting to be in the leadoff spot. And we're really getting to see what Ozzy can do. And, and not only... Are we seeing what Ozzy can do with the bat? But his his glove is so good. I mean, Dad, you could argue I, if you put Ozzy Albies at shortstop or at third base, he would be just fine. Like Ozzy Albies is has got to be one of the best defensive second basemen, and we're really seeing all of Ozzy's tools on display now. And I and I'm so happy for Ozzy. And it looks like he's really enjoying being in the, being in the leadoff spot. And similar to Acuna, in in the fact that they can both provide such a big spark at the, at the beginning of each game, I, it's almost must. CTV when Ozzy Albies is up at bat. I agree, and, and you uh, talked about Acuna. Both Acuna and Ozzy seem to really enjoy playing baseball, and that means a lot to me as I get older. Some of the guys sort of grind and whine, and it's supposed to be a fun game, and it, it really means a lot to see somebody enjoying it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That'd be one of my favorite things about Ozzy, because you could argue where they are at this point in the season. You know, everybody's tired, and you know, he's either thinking about you know their plans for the winter or in fear in the Braves case you're fighting for a playoff berth what is Ozzy doing he's out there he's out there getting ground balls and he, he's out there working on his game and Ozzy works so hard and and as a fan you know watch, watching most nights or even listening most nights and it, it, it just really is a joy to watch him play the game of baseball because he has so much fun doing it and he loves it he absolutely loves it and he loves his teammates and like I'm sure most managers wish that everybody was like Ozzy Albies and Acuna and we just love playing baseball and you know things like that uh, i really I have enjoyed watching ozzy thrive here in the weed off spot absolutely okay joe also uh, we've got this from the braves this week but they re-signed charlie morton on monday to a one-year deal and then it also has an option for the following year um what are your thoughts on re-signing a 37 38 year old starting pitcher well dad the way i look at it with charlie is if he keeps going the way he's going and and what i mean by that is this stuff if he's still throwing like high 90s and you know mixing in that good curveball and if he wants to keep pitching why not i've really been impressed with charlie i mean the two places he was gonna go was either tampa or atlanta and i'm really glad to see charlie morton be back here with the braves i think he provides i think he provides a soundboard for young pitchers and he's arguably the best pitcher you have right now i mean he he is your ace if, if you were gonna if you were gonna say game one of the NLDS, you're having Charlie Morton take the ball, and and, and as and, and as a fan, getting to watch most nights, I really enjoyed watching Charlie Morton, and I just look at him as providing so much wisdom, and and not and not only being a soundboard, but also being like, hey, I can still do this, I can throw upper 90s and get guys out, because that is one thing. Despite Charlie's advanced age, he is still finding ways to get guys out, and and a lot of it is with his explosive stuff, with his fastball, and his good mix of his curveball. 
football. What are your thoughts on uh, on the Braves bringing Charlie back? I really like it, uh, especially with Soroka being such a, an unknown next year. You know, Charlie gives you some stability at the front of the rotation, being freed, and uh, so I really like the move. I'm hoping, uh, yeah, it'd be great to have him going and Soroka going and Freed going at one time, and Ian, for that matter. Uh, that, that could be a lot of pitching, but, you know, the law of averages say one of them isn't going to be on top of their game, and so it's good to have a little depth there. No doubt, no doubt. Well, speaking of the Braves rotation, let's just say the season ended today, and Dad, I want to get your Braves playoff rotation for the starting pitchers, so how, how would yours go? Well, I'd, I'd go with Charlie 1, Freed to, um, I don't know, probably uh, Ian 3. He'll need some work, but I think that's an investment in the future. I think he's going to pitch a lot of big games for the Braves going forward, and you might as well get him accustomed to it. What do you think? Well, not to steal your thunder, but but I'm pretty spot on with that as well. And and see, I would have Waskar Noah as my 4. I I still really like Waskar a lot. I think he's got a lot of upside. I really do. But where he could be really dangerous is not only as a four starter, but if you wanted to use him in a bullpen role, I just think in, I just think with the Noah's with his slider, I think he could induce ground balls and be a almost like a fireman type. You know, be able to pitch one or two innings in a big spot if you needed him. If you were going with a with a three man staff for the playoffs, and I kind of also feel that I kind of also feel the same way about Tuki Tucson. I know Tuki had a rough start last night but I still think going forward that you would that you would want to have Tuki Tucson in your bullpen come playoff time, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. I like Tukey, and I, I like him in situations where he doesn't have to go through the the, the lineup more than twice. Um, you know, he, he seems it seems like it's just my observation. He gets hit harder as he goes along. He's got a really nice curveball, and just brings good heat. He, he does that. Uh, he does that. Well, one last thing here with the Braves. And so the Braves, and so the Braves have kind of had an up-and-down record at home at Truist Park, and, and so now that the Braves have more depth, and in the lineup and a healthy catcher. In your opinion, between the moves that they made and getting Garneau back, would you like to see the Braves turn this home record around and make an impact down the stretch here with only like, I think it's 11 or 12 home games left? Well, they have to, Joe, because you can't really go far in the playoffs if you can't really, if you don't dominate or defend your home field. And uh, that's one thing that's been puzzling about the Braves is their lack of success at Truist. You would expect a team that, that's as loaded as they are to, to do better. What do you think? You really would. I, I agree with you. I, I, I'm i honestly surprised with how they've done at home. And if you just think about the attendance, I mean, the Braves lead, I want to say they're second in Major League Baseball in attendance, averaging over 1.9 million. I'm, I mean, the fans are out there and like we're supporting this team and they've kind of got a kind of an up and down record at home. And and I get a lot of the year, everybody's been hurt and the pitching staff has been up and down. But, but the Braves are as healthy as they're are as healthy as they're going to be right now. And I agree with you. I think this game with Washington right now is important. And I definitely think the series with Miami coming up this weekend is really big. I think the Braves have to go in with the mindset of at least winning two out of three or sweeping. I get that's really hard to do, but but you got to take advantage of the, of the home games that you have left. Because after Miami, you, ha- you have a three-game series with the Rockies, and then you go out west to play San Francisco and Arizona. And neither one of those places are easy places to play so let's uh let's defend true right yeah absolutely absolutely well 
that's going to do it for the baseball part of the show, Dad. We're going to flip things over to Georgia football. And so you and I had the opportunity to go to the Georgia Clemson game last Saturday. So give me your thoughts on our experience that we had, as well as your thoughts of the big win for Georgia. Well, Joe, it was really fun to uh, go to a big game. Seems like there's only a couple of them each football season, and, and that was a big game, big turnout, a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of electricity in the air, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And then to watch our defense play their hearts out, it was really terrific. I, I enjoyed it very much. What no doubt, no doubt. Well, I want to get things going at the very beginning, how it got started. We ended up hanging out at our tailgate. I want to give a shout out to my new friend, Chef Ray, who busted out his uni, which is like a pizza cooker, and it's run on gas. So props to you, Chef Ray. He had some homemade pizza. And then we had chocolate mousse of all things. I think the chocolate mousse can become a new tailgate tradition. It, it, it might have in, to be. You can't go into the stadium until you have your chocolate mousse. Yeah. So you hear that, Chef Ray? We need our pregame chocolate mousse before each home game to <laughs> ensure a Georgia victory. So, so the gauntlet's been the gauntlet's been thrown down. Moose and uni pizza. And I'm sick. I'm serious about those unis, but like those things were really neat and our man Chef Ray really took care of us and, and it was just a really good start to, to the night for sure. It really was. Well flipping things over to well, flipping things over, more back to football. And our next topic here, the Georgia defense, you spoke about it a second ago, had a total of seven sacks on Saturday night. You, and you've watched a lot of Georgia football through the years, Dad. Have you ever seen a performance like that? Well, I was very impressed. Cause that was a really good team we're playing against. And uh, to, bring, to bring the heat the way we did and to bottle them up the way we did was very impressive. Uh, you know, it, it just seems like it's been a long time since we've had a game like that. But um, our old dear defensive coordinator, Eric Russell, is smiling from down, you know, down on us from heaven because that was the kind of thing he, he loved right there. I think they refer to him as slobber mockers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the old... But I, I also want to say I was very impressed with Clemson. They're really good, especially in the lines of scrimmage. I was very impressed. What did you think, Jeff? Well, well as far as Georgia's defense, I mean, let's just think about guys who, who had great days, like Jordan Davis had a and a half and had three tackles, and Kobe Dean had a sack and and as well as a sack and a half and and Jay, and Jalen Carter had a great day getting after the quarterback. I'm, I mean Georgia. I mean Georgia's defensive front was making life so difficult for DJU. I was really 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 happy to see that because that is something we we have been begging for and seeing a Georgia defensive front be able to put the clamps down uh, on a really skilled talented quarterback and DJ Ugo, and DJ Ugolalele. I think I said it right or DJU as people call him. But but I definitely think that Clemson is still a really good team. And I and I, I definitely think that DJU is due to bounce back for Clemson. I think I just I just think he's that good. But for Georgia's defensive front to do that to, to one of the like big names in college football and to a big and to do that to a big time offense like Clemson's, that, that was just really impressive to me. And I and pr- and props also props also to one Christopher Smith who made a great read on that ball to pick it off and run it back 74 yards for a touchdown. If you had told me at the beginning of the game that Georgia's only touchdown was going to be on defense, I would have said you were crazy. I would have said we lost. 
but uh, but we won. So that was that was really cool. For sure. Well, well, our next topic in terms of Georgia football, we're gonna flip things over to the offensive side of things. And so freshman Brock Bauer, I gotta give a shout out to our guest of the week last week in our Georgia football preview. Our man Logan Booker highlighted Mr. Bowers and talked about him a lot, and he had quite a debut for the dog at tight end. And so, do you expect Brock Bowers to be an integral part of Georgia's passing game going forward? Well, yeah, when you consider the tight ends that we have on our roster that were ineligible, or not ineligible, but who were physically unable to play, it was really great to see uh, to see Bowers step up. But um, I, I was very impressed. He doesn't look like a freshman out there, that's for sure. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. And I want to say, statistically, he had seven catches for 43 yards. I'm, I'm, I mean, I know Georgia didn't really throw the ball that much, but it looked like Bowers and Daniels really had something, uh, really had a little bit of a connection, which was good to see. Now, I do want to get to this. On the subject of, the, or of JT Daniels, I did hear, or I have heard reports about him dealing with an oblique injury. Dad, is this something, as Georgia fans, we need to be worried about? Yeah, a little bit, Joe, because obliques take a long time to heal. Uh, now, the good thing is that, you know, we have a stretch of schedule that should be, re- you know, we should be able to negotiate. And uh, but, but yeah, I'm concerned about it. But the flip side is <laughs> it should get Parson back and, and uh, some other guys an opportunity and uh, we'll see what we got behind them. Definitely. But, uh, it, it's really uh, it's got me a little concerned. Jeff. How about you? I I concur with you. I, I'm a little worried. I'm a little worried about it. But but like like you said, I'm looking at my Georgia football schedule here in my office, and I'm lo- and I'm looking at where we are in the schedule. And honestly, if if you knew that this injury w- was going to impact Georgia going forward, I think this is a manageable part of the schedule. I'm fascinated to see what Carson Beck can do. I I know there was talk at the end of last year that he had kind of lost. Uh, or that he had, or that his stock had kind of gone down in terms of the coach's eyes. But it looks like now he has really put in the work. He put in a lot of good work this offseason. Fascinated to see what Carson Beck can do. But if I'm JT Daniels, what I I know, I know there were reports from different players that he was practicing and that he was fine. But I want JT Daniels to get as much rest and recovery as he needs. I'm, I mean, because there's no sense for him to go out there against UAB if he's not 100%. Because when you look at Georgia's schedule, especially in the month of October, now I'm looking at like Auburn, Kentucky, and Florida. I'm, I mean, that has got to be our biggest stretch, right? Right in terms of the schedule. And I want JT as healthy as he can be for later in the season. I agree. I agree. And uh, so hopefully we get to see what uh, what Mr. Beck can do for the dogs. And so and, and so going into our last point. So Georgia, as I mentioned, will be playing against UAB. And so do we expect to see Munkin and in this case Carson Beck really? really get the offense rolling for Georgia? I do, Joe. Uh, although, you know, UAB is a, is a good team. Um, I had somebody say that if they're in the SEC, they'd be better than three or four teams. Uh, but UAB will be a good test, but I think our talent will just, uh, you know, get the best of them and wear them down. And uh, yeah, I, I think they'll, they'll try and uh, work on some things. It'll be you know, an opportunity to throw the ball down the field to some people and get the running game going. I'm I'm looking for a good good day this after this saturday i am too i am too i I am interested to see what this offense can do i know it'll probably be under a different quarterback but i'm fascinated to see what beck can do you know as we just talked about with carson beck he's a big time arm and i'm I'm curious to see how how munkin approaches this game and and i do agree with you i think georgia's talent 
wins out ultimately at the end of the day. I think UAB is going to make it or, or could be playing with Georgia for a little bit. I mean, just to give Georgia a little bit of a test, maybe in the first quarter, but I think Georgia's talent uh, pulls it out at the end of the day and Georgia will get the running game going. And I'd like to see some of these pass catchers like a Jermaine Burton, like a like an Indonai Mitchell, like uh, like keep feeding Brock Bowers. I mean, because Georgia's got talent out wide. They've got talent out wide. Kiaris Jackson as well. And and Dad, I want to I wanna get to that too really quick. I was kind of surprised we didn't see Kiaris Jackson much playing out wide at receiver last Saturday against Clemson, and he was primarily just doing punt returning. I, I found that kind of odd. So uh, I read this week that he is not 100% oh. healthy and that they sent him back to catch the punts because they trust his judgment, and, you know, you need somebody steady back there. Uh, but uh, I don't think that uh, that he's really healthy yet. I gotcha, I gotcha. Well, one, one other receiver that I'd like to see get going is is Rosemead Jack Saint, number 81. I, I really like his upside. Like, he's a big receiver at 6'2", and I think he's another guy that could really help out Beck or Daniels or whoever's playing quarterback for the Dogs this weekend. Well, I agree. Uh, it's going to be uh, – I think it's going to be fun to see the offense kind of open up, and we'll get a much better idea what what we're dealing with. Uh, I, you know, the offensive line lost a big uh, guard, Tate Ratlitch, for the season. So we're going to have to, you know, rely on the depth. Now, the good thing is we have depth. Yes. But um, we're going to have to see what's going on. Yeah, we will. We will. I want to say – Cedric Von Prawn is now going to slide in at left guard since Rowledge is hurt. And Cedric Von Prawn is one of those guys who, who was a big time recruit when he was coming out of high school. And I think he's somebody that could really help. Maybe a Broderick Jones finds his way in the starting lineup. I mean, Matt Luke's got... Matt Luke has some options to play with. He, he really does. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely talent there. There really is. There really is. Well, that's going to do it for the Georgia football part of the show. Dad, I want to say thing about Georgia football. I think the line for Georgia UAB as of this evening, I looked, it was 24. So, so if you're into that kind of thing, Georgia is minus 24 against the UAB Blazers, a.k.a. the fighting Roddy Whites. Remember remember you and I were at that game? Georgia UAB when Roddy White was in school for UAB? A long, long time ago, wasn't it? Yeah, I want to say that was maybe it wasn't maybe David Green was around. Anyway, I just remember watching Roddy White. I want to say he was like number ten for UAB, and he was one of the best players on the field. I was like, this dude, he's really good. Yeah, he's really he's good. Fun. Well, flipping things over to the Atlanta Falcon part of the show. Speaking of Roddy White, we're gonna talk about his old team, our favorite, one of my favorite teams, and that is the Atlanta Falcons. So this is kind of our Falcon preview part of the show as the Falcons get ready for their 2021 season against the Eagles on Sunday. So what are your thoughts on the matchup overall and and everything surrounding Falcons' new head coach, Arthur Smith? Well, Joe, I think it's curious that we, we didn't see him playing his uh, his starters at all during the uh, regular or preseason. So we really don't know what we're jumping in the water with. Um, you know, you have to assume Matt Ryan is going to play, you know, steady. And, uh, you know, we didn't see our better defensive players playing. So, um, I mean, it should be a, a lot of fun. But I think uh, I like us, you know, in week one against the Eagles. I, I think we've, we've got a little more going on than they do. I do. So you- I, oh, oh, I concur with you, Dad, 100%. But I definitely think the big key for Atlanta on Sunday, and 
has got to be the offensive line and their ability to create holes in the running game for a Mike Davis or slash for a Cordero Patterson and and as well as giving Matt Ryan time to throw when you think about Ridley and Gage and Pitts and Zacchaeus and Hurst and all those guys I think I think it comes down in the offensive line are, are they able to block Fletcher Cox and some of those other talented Eagle guys up front and stuff like that but I agree with you I, I definitely think the Falcons have the edge they're at home they have the better quarterback and and I don't know I'm, I'm just like the Falcons in the spot I think I think Matt Ryan is due for a really good day and dad I speaking of Matt Ryan I heard a stat today I want to say Matt Ryan is I want to say he's like 11 and 2 or or 11 and 2 in season openers um, if memory serves I heard that on the radio today he's 11 and 2 in season openers so so that makes me feel good where where they are with uh with Mr. Ryan and I'm I'm just fascinated to see how things fit with Matt Ryan and an offensive minded head coach and one Arthur Smith I, because this is his show and and I don't know I for one just really like having an offensive minded head coach especially in the NFL I think that's really key so, so our next topic I want to get into you with that okay so who are some young Falcons you've got your eye on as the season begins on Sunday well certainly uh Kyle Pitts to start off with, we haven't really seen him play. Uh, he is a very high draft pick, and we're told that he's a once-in-a-generation tight end, and uh, it'll be very interesting to see uh, see how that goes. So uh, I, I really want to see him and uh, Richie Grant playing back in the secondary. That's going to be uh, you know a, a young safety that brings the lumber a little bit. Uh, I think it'll be it'll be interesting to watch those guys. Huh? Who do you have your eyes on? As far as young Falcons, who I've got my eyes on, I got my eyes on Michael Walker, the second-year linebacker out of Fresno State. He is really fast and can really really chase after quarterbacks or ground in the middle of the field. And I just look for Michael Walker to be a real impact guy on this defense, especially in the linebacker group when you've already got arguably one of the fastest linebackers in Deion Jones. I think Dean Pease has got to be looking at shops with Richie Grant. Uh, uh, with Richie Grant, uh, Michael Walker, and Deion Jones to build around. So speaking of Dean Pease, the Falcons' defense is is being taken over by the aforementioned Dean Pease. So what about Coach Pease? Has you excited about him running the defense? Well, Joe, I think you're going to need some help scheme-wise to get to increase the pressure on quarterbacks. And uh, here's a guy with a lot of experience who uh, can certainly uh, you know find ways to to get people lose, you know, and get some shots on the QB. That's what's been missing. Uh, you know, we just don't put enough pressure on the opposing offenses. And so I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, what he's going to do. Certainly in the preseason, he wasn't doing much, but uh, hopefully he's going to step it up here. What are you looking for? I, the guy I really want to see him get going is Dante Bowser. I mean, they need a lot more Oh, absolutely. I, I definitely agree. It's put up or shut up for Dante Fowler. It really is. And the thing about Dean Pease that I like and is he said this, I want to say it was maybe earlier in the offseason, um, where, where somebody asked him something about blitzing and stuff, and Dean Pease was like, we're going to start blitzing when we get off the bus. Like, Dean Pease has got to be the kind of coach where he's got his defenders flying around and, get, and getting after people instead of just playing back in a soft cover defense. Like, like Dean Pease is aggressive. Now, I know 
sometimes aggression can be used against you. And the Falcons will probably take their lumps at times, you know, being overly aggressive. But honestly, if we're anywhere near the quarterback and flying around and making plays like, like we expect that we're going to get from DPs, and if this defense is just middle of the pack, the, the Falcons have a chance, I think, for them to be able to make an impact here in the NFC South. I know there isn't a lot of buzz around the Falcons coming into the year, but I really like the hire of Dean Pease. I think Dean Pease is going to be able to make this defense middle of the pack and make it average because as a Falcon fan, we're not used to having and we're not used to having an average defense. And I think Dean Pease is going to be able to get everything that he can out of this defense and more. I, I really do because that is all that they need, in my opinion, is a really solid, you know, level-headed defensive coach, and they've got that in Pease. I mean, like I said, you know, they're just average. They're just middle of the pack. I think the offense is going to be able to take care of things to, to where the Falcons are competitive in the NFC South. And uh, and all that going forward, I'll go ahead and say it straight up. I, I look at this Falcon team as being a 9 or 10 win team. Now granted, I'm I'm a glorified homer. Most of you know that. It was from this podcast. But I really think Smith and Pease both are going to be able to get everything they can out of this roster. And I think the Falcons are really going to surprise some people. I really do. I hope so, Joe. It makes the fall very much more interesting. It really would. It really hurt last year, you know, knowing that the season was over after Dallas and we, I guess that was week three or week four, knowing that. And then I like, I can remember last year watching the Seattle game with you and just seeing us get, just seeing us get absolutely manhandled. I was like, oh man, like this could be a rough fall. This could be a rough fall. I agree. I agree. So, so when you look at the Falcons schedule, what are, what are some of the matchups that you're excited about? Well, I'm, I'm a division guy. I'm very curious to see what's going to happen in the division. Um, you know, you like to think you can at least lift everybody in the division. Now, Tampa is going to be a challenge, but uh, I'm, I'm curious to see what we're going to do with um, the Carolina and New Orleans um, and where they, you know, fall and shake out because, uh, you know, those games always tend to be real hard-hitting and competitive and go right down to the deck. They, they you, do that. They what are you do looking that. for? Oh, for me? I, well, I'll tell you what game I'm interested in seeing ha, has got to be that Thursday night game against the Patriots later in the year. I'm interested to see how Arthur Smith goes up, an offensive-minded head coach, how he handles Bill Belichick, who is a defensive-minded coach. I'm curious to see the cat-and-mouse game of one Arthur Smith against Bill Belichick. I mean, I'm interested to see what Belichick can do with Mac Jones. And here's something that I didn't even think about. Like, when it gets cold later in the year, I'm interested to see if Mac Jones can really still spin it and still be able to, like, throw all these rocket passes like he was able to at Alabama and, you know, earlier in the season, like, when it wasn't as cold. So, now, I know that game's in Atlanta, but I'm curious to see the matchup of a Bill Belichick who's a defensive-minded head coach against Arthur Smith who's an offensive-minded head coach. I think that cat-and-mouse game could be fun. And it's a Thursday night game. So that's cool too. Yeah, that's always neat with the whole country. Yeah, it is for sure. It is for sure. Well, one well, one last thing just kind of popped in my head as far as the schedule. Dad, the Falcons go to London to play the Jets. What are your thoughts on playing the Jets in London and all that? Uh, to me, that's like taking one for the team. Uh, you know, because somebody from the league has to go and uh, and do that. And uh, unfortunately, it's, uh, it's the Falcons this year. But it, it certainly has the potential to take a lot out of uh, a team with all that travel and, and everything. So hopefully... 
thing the Falcons will, will do well and have a good trip and uh, and not have it suck the, the life out of the team. I hope so too. Now the good thing about that that following week is the Falcons bye week, and so I think that's good. I I'll be honest with you, I'm not a super big fan of the NFL going to London. I get Jacksonville does it because it's a glorified home game for them, but I just think trying to expand the NFL in other countries for for now I know there are some fans of the NFL that love it, but I also think but I'm all, but me personally, I mean you don't see I mean you don't I mean you don't see like uh like EPL teams and team and things like that trying to come over here and invade the US, do you? Like why does the NFL try to do this? I'm I'm just not a big fan of it. I'm not a big fan of trying to expand the NFL into a global game. There are certain games that are meant to be global, like baseball and basketball, but American football is not one of them. Just my opinion, okay. Dad. Alright, very good. Well Dad, thank you so much for coming on the show, talking a little Falcons, a little Georgia football, a little Braves, you know, all that in between. Oh dad, one last thing before you go. I want to get your pick on the Falcons game Sunday. So do the Falcons pull it out and give me a score? Yeah, I think the Falcons are going to win like 24 to 17. I like it. I like it. How do I see it going? I got the Falcons winning 31-17. Okay. I think it's a big day for the offense. I think Arthur Smith says, hey guys, I think we're going to light them up. And uh, I think that's how I see it. Uh, I really, I really like, I really like everything that I hear and read about Arthur Smith, and I just think this offense is going to be too high octane, and I think our offensive line is going to really get it done against one Fletcher Cox, who went to Mississippi State. I remember him in college; he was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. he's a good player. He is good player. Well, Dad, thank you so much for coming on the pod, and uh, and we'll talk to you on down the road, okay? Very good, Joe. Let's go, dogs. Go Braves and go Falcons. You said it. Rise up, chop on, and go dogs. Talk to you soon. Well, that was a really good interview we did with my dad, the man, the myth, the legend, talking a little bit of everything, a little bit of Braves, a little bit of hot. Or a little bit of Falcons and a little bit of Georgia football. So before we get out of here this week, I want to tell you guys about FanFrostSeasons.com. And it's our website. You can go and you can check out our episodes. You can listen to them each week. And you can also go to our merchandise store. Merchandise store. Sorry, you can check out our company color t-shirts that are in season right now. You can also check out our hoodies, our sweatshirts, all that in between. So check out our podcast gear, rep the gear. And uh, so yeah, so check out our website. And uh, there's also a sweet picture of RG3 and I show them with our manship. So before, um, one last thing. So I think it's time to get a word from our sponsor. Band for All Seasons is brought to you in part by Georgia Smoke Barbecue. Authentic, original oak smoked barbecue catering. You can learn more at georgiasmoke.com. So for Jam and Joe flying solo this week, this has been another exciting installment of the Band for All Seasons podcast. We'll talk to you guys next week. See ya. Chop on. Go dogs. Rise up.